Hi, Rob. Hey, Jersey. Hey, it looks like we're doing another one of those rebroadcasts where we dig into the feed and find something of value that we created usually with some friends of ours. It is a lot of fun to highlight stuff that, that we made in the past. And it's one of those things that rebroadcasts are this handy way to do that, to say like, well, we've made like 300 of these shows. And a lot of them have that intent of, well, we dig into a topic in a certain questioning way that gains us some experience and insight, hopefully. And uh, this combination of some practical and some, some of the theory and the why and the sort of maybe the emotional journey around it. And yeah, like you said, a lot of times we do that with a guest. Um, or occasionally we do that with a guest. Especially fun to bring them back into the feed with a rebroadcast. So who do we got this time? Uh, what episode are we pulling back from the archives to to share once again with the leaners? Uh, well, we had Dave Srisay on the show a while back in episode 224. And that was all about uh, happiness, metrics, and the daily thing. With Dave Shreesay. And what, some of the things we talk about in this episode uh, that I thought was super interesting based on um, a blog post at davesay.com, uh, which was like this orchard versus factory model, this, this, this method of gathering um, artifacts from things that you practice to see what you can turn into things, given that we've been talking a lot in the Lena Tart cast uh, recently about this two-minute practice thing that we started doing. I thought it, it would be a good idea to see what discussion we had a couple years ago about that very idea. This is something that's been an ongoing topic on the show, this idea of like creating little things as experiments, as practice, as attempting to achieve mastery or to create a shareable thing. Um and does that amount to something more? So that's one of the things you get to look forward to in this episode. Anytime we get to talk to Dave say, it's usually a stimulating discussion. So I, I would say, I would, actually, I'm going to be definitive. I'm going to say it's always a, a stimulating discussion <laughs> when you have Dave say on. So... Uh, yeah, it's it's yeah wonderful that we can uh, bring back one of those episodes with Dave say and... Uh, I don't know. It, it's, I do think it's really timely as well. So the whole like, you know, making, making products, something out of your sawdust, making uh, things out of the other things. And uh, yeah, it's certainly still top of my mind, uh, probably yes. ever since it was planted in, in this conversation. So before we dive in, we got to thank some people who support us to make this show possible. Those are the people who support us on Patreon. Patreon.com slash Lean Into Art is the website. What is it? It's a way for you to give us a monthly upvote. If you believe in us and what we do, uh, you can support us for as little as a dollar a month. And if enough people do it, then the show will be fully sustainable. And I want to thank five people who have been doing exactly that, supporting us on an ongoing basis. It means a lot to us. First up, Spencer Hallam. Thank you, Spencer, for believing in us and what we do. Becca Hilburn, you can find Becca on all social media at Natto Soup. Thank you, Becca, longtime supporter of the show. And Shawnee Redfern, you can find Shawnee on social media, like Twitter, at Shawnee Redfern. Thank you, Shawnee. And Stephen Black, thank you, Stephen, for believing in us and what we do. You can find Stephen Black on Twitter at Black's Sideshow. Two S's in the middle there. And these will be linked on the show notes, of course. And finally, J.S. Taskus. Thank you so much, J.S. It means a lot to us. You can find J.S. Taskus on Twitter at, guess what, J.S. Taskus. And you can join all of them at patreon.com slash lean into art. We will find all the shows we make, as well as the extra leans, the shows we record only for people who support us on Patreon. Those posts become an open mic thread where you can talk about whatever you want. 
uh, in a safe space with fellow leaners. And uh, you can also take some of that discussion to the Lean Into Art Discord, which will be linked into the show notes as well. We have a forum. You can join us all there at uh, the Lean Into Art Discord. So, and once again, patreon.com slash Lean Into Art. It means a lot to us. Thanks so much. You ready to go, Rob? Yeah, I'm ready to go. Let's join that conversation. storytellers who think about visual storytelling hard so you will too my name is jersey drozd i'm a cartoonist and a teaching artist the other host is hi i am rob stenzinger a uh, game designer and user experience designer and we are joined with a special guest this week with uh none other than dave say who's who's been a guest on the show before we're excited to have you back dave welcome so excited exciting <laughs> well yeah Dave. so like i mean you're 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 you you're a designer that's often the title you mention but it's kind of yep. like there's a wide domain of design that you do like productivity tools and all sorts of things like yeah what's, um, your, what's the thing you throw out there nowadays what do i throw out there these? I, these days i'm saying i'm a stationary designer mm. that dabbles in uh javascript programming for learning science work and uh, that's about it. <laughs> I don't get out very much anymore, so so I don't really have. I, uh, this is uh, this is the first time I've had to describe what I do for for a while. <laughs> the identity I think that's most close to home right now is I've, I started live streaming last year because for all the video stuff I found fascinating, and uh, I started doing this daily stream for no good reason at all. That was called "What's Up, Dave?" for the lack of coming up with another title. I'm terrible at naming things. Our podcast, like I do with, with my friend Sid, is we call it the unnamed podcast. It gives you an example of like that naming trend there. But anyway, the, the, the what's up Dave thing, I just, the the, um, the intro I figured out that I was comfortable with was saying like, this is the stream where I catch up with my friends on the internet. So I guess I catch up with people on the internet. Now that seems to be the core of what I do. The um the the seat of my happiness is my that's my working theory on that. That is a heck of a moniker. Um, so, I mean, and, and we we like to pick your brain and, and have you back to to just to explore like so many like how you look at things and the way that you 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 like you delve into your your own experience and reflect and get insights out of it and, and come up with you know this you've got like goal systems and all that. And, and it just really, it, it's something that, that I know both Jersey and I have been inspired by and we've used your tools before. Um, you are the creator of the emergent task planner, which gets mentioned, mentioned on average once per episode, if not more. Right. <laughs> and every once yeah. in a while we forget and we, we forget to explain what it is. And we say, Oh yeah. So Dave, we were telling a story recently where I lost my ETP and like, it was like, it was a full year's worth of, of data oh, and reflection no. Yeah, I, I left it at a school visit in a high school where it was like a very unreceptive audience. So I was like, oh, no, not only was it like a bunch of like, you know, steely eyed uh, <laughs> children who like were like looking at me with nothing yeah. but revulsion. I yeah. left this record of my entire year with all this in important information in it. Um, I, I got it back. Thank goodness. That's the nice part of the story. But um nice. It, it, whenever we tell these stories of how we use our ETPs and like and like what kind of like how we mine the data in them, there's always somebody who says in the chat room, "What is ETP? Emergent <clears throat> Task 
planner, which was created by this man, David Say. Mm. Yes, yes. I heard on the last podcast that you actually draw your own. Yeah, so although although I will say I have purchased the uh, Emergent Task Planner that you designed and sell on Amazon, Uh and it is a thing of beauty. It's really lovely to write on. Um, uh, And I know you you sweat the paper on that, and it it shows. It's it's really nice. Yeah, yeah. uh, I figured, like... Yeah, I had I had confidence issues that if people would want actually want to buy this thing at all. So I said, like, let me make it at least better than what you can print out at home. So let me get real paper that you can't just buy at Staples, and it actually ends up not being very expensive. So, but it's it's nice to just have that sourced. Now, I draw my own ETP too, so it's. <laughs> oh, do you? <laughs> yeah, it, there's something I like about it. Maybe you find the same thing, like the process of setting down with the blank sheet of paper, and then you draw in the grid, and you write in the date, and you set aside a little area, and it's kind of like a little garden for the day that you're tending. And as opposed to like you know, I was buying like uh, this commercial sheet. I think for some people it's great because you can get the sheet that's been pre-designed and looks great and professional, and already you look like you're winning the day when you have one of these things. <laughs> but but you know, like I you know, like I look at the thing, it says, "Oh, I see this thing all the time," and I just kind of want to just move my hand and want to like, kind of you know get out of my head. And you know, well, I guess drawing yeah. on paper is not. A, it, it's the closest thing to getting out of my head that doesn't involve actually going outside. So I just do that as my uh, my ritual you know, when I'm doing these. Yeah, the, the, that that was exactly the word I was thinking of. Is my Sunday afternoon is like that is part of the ritual is drawing in the grid and working in. You know, like it's it's repetitive to have to write. Like I've got a section in mind where I say like what good happened today. You know, yeah, it gets yeah. on like the bottom right of it, mm-hmm. and it's like well now I got to write that seven times for each day of the week that's upcoming. And it's uh, like, yeah, wouldn't it be yeah. nice if that was just stamped? But there's something very meditative and ritualistic about. And here it is for Wednesday, and it's like almost like reminding me. Be thinking about this when Wednesday yeah. rolls around. Be thinking about this when Thursday yeah. rolls around. You know, there's something about doing it by hand that makes it stick a little bit better. You know, than if I'm you know, just kind of filling in boxes, kind of absentmindedly, just to get out of my head. It's out of my head and then out of my mind, and then I forget about it, unless I force myself to go and review re- review the period previous day, which doesn't always happen. You know, it's mm-hmm. one of those one of those tedious little habits that I've tried to try to embrace, but not entirely successfully. Yeah, it really, it takes, there's this extra thing that some, a lot of times I have capacity for, I tend to have an appetite for digging through my own data, but Mm -hmm. it's, I'm really, um, it's, it's uneven as far as when I make that time, like, you know, Mm -hmm. is it on the weekend? Is it just rain, like midnight on Monday? I don't know. It Mm -hmm. just, it, but then, um, I have been enjoying doing the, I I do the printed out, um, PDF version. Oh, Um, sweet. Yeah. I've got that from your, uh. Oh, um, oh, the, the digital download site called, um, Gumroad. The Gumroad yeah. one. Yeah, yeah. And, uh, but I, I, I actually do the, uh, Circa planner thing, um, where, nice. where, yeah, you, you have like a special hole punch that lets you just insert yeah. the paper right into this, uh, these like circled spine things. Yep, I've got, I've got one of those over there just oh, for, cool. uh, it's part of the. Uh-huh. I think I need to know what the people are up to, so I need to have one of these in and my house. It, yeah, I mean, I don't know if you've used it for an extended period of time, um, but like it's, uh, I've I've gone off and on. Like I've had I've had situations, times in my life where this is this is a ritual I welcome and and I get a lot out of it. But then 
But when I don't, I, I've I've shelved it, and recently mm-hmm. I've come back and mm-hmm. yeah, well, nice to have around. Are either of you guys? Would you consider yourself consider yourselves creatures of novelty? As in, like you really Explain. like. Well, like one thing I've realized about myself was that I really like I enjoy novelty, things that are new, things I haven't seen before, new experiences and stuff like that, and I find that. For me, sticking with the habit is very difficult unless I find some sort of angle on it that's new that adds to my store of knowledge. I'm really bad at doing something over and over and over again. The first thing I thought is like, is, can I get someone else to do this? The second, <laughs> the second thought is, it's like, well, maybe I can outsource it. No, no one would be able to do it right. And the third thing, can I automate it somehow? Or fourth, maybe if I just don't worry about it, it'll go away. You know? and, and but you know, like, but. The thing that will bring me back to those essential things is like, can I turn this into an experiment and get data and find some sort of angle on it? (laughs) And so knowing that I am a creature of novelty, um, I actually have to play sort of play this game of productivity tag with myself in which you're like, I'm saying like, all right, where is my productivity anchor this week, this month, this year? You know, so we will get into this later, but talking about the, the, oh, uh, what I'm calling the cruel bucket now, for lack of a better name. No, I'm terrible uh, at naming, so it's that's, that's I love it. That's that's kind of where's my anchor this year, what data I'm gonna get for it. I, I've let go of the idea that I will stick with these things for forever. And people are sometimes disappointed about this because they'll they'll come to me and says, like I I use your emergent task planner and like it's been a, a reliable, it got me through grad school or something like that, or I've used it at work and I've been using it for years. And then they kind of assume I'm using it been using it for years too. And I use it sometimes. <laughs> sometimes <laughs> I use a different form. Sometimes I draw it. Um you know, but kind of digressing here. But I well, guess creatures of novelty, that was the, the question. That, that that will come as no surprise to anybody who's listened to this show for any extended period of time is that I think both Rob and I have an approach that is very open and uh, inquisitive and uh, receptive to novelty. And I think we talk about experimentation a lot on this show. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, I've... I've I personally have hammered on this idea of mini comics uh, making like little eight page small mm. comic stories. I wish I had one nearby that I could hold up, but um, as a form of product testing, right? Mm. Trying out an idea. Right. Um, an example I use with my students all the time is I hold up a graphic novel that I did back in 2007 that I spent five years making and it never wow. really found an audience. It like never, mm. I really invested in it. Yeah. I invested in a hypothesis, right? And wow. it, it didn't land. But then I have this little tiny mini comic uh, that I did uh, in a week, just uh, like on a lark, just to test myself in some certain areas of my writing and drawing skills. Mm. And it wound up being the thing that moved on my table the fastest. And like at, mm. at one show, like a comic store owner came up and bought like, you know, he's like, what, how many do you have left? Just give them huh. to me, give them now. Nice. You know, so yeah. So like, th- that was like the light. I was like, okay, I only spent a week on that and that hit. What if I did that with more things? What if I made more little tiny experiments to see what yeah. kind of reactions they get and what what I get out of it too? Right? Yeah. And did the follow ups hit? Yeah, yeah. I I did it as a uh, web comic for a year and a half, oh. and it's it hasn't been updating lately. But I'm working on uh, a long form story for it now. Um, mm. That's but yeah, yeah. The ETP was one of those things for me. It was like this thing that I said, like someone asked me about. Like I had worked on this concept called the menu of the day and like it was based on like the Iron Chef's episodes I was watching and like Chef, um, what was the guy? Um, the first Japanese chef 
Iron Chef Japan had he would callig- he would use calligraphy he would write out the menu in the precious few minutes from the beginning of the hour and say I'm going to make this and then he would just go and do it and it was awesome and I said this is this menu of the day is going to be a thing and then no one cared and then someone asked can you make something like this and put like a box that does this on it says yeah I can just whip, I can just mash these things together and this is the one that got really popular and it was like you know, kind of exciting and kind of aggravating at the same time, but it kind of rolled with it. And, you know, like, I, I guess I'm sure that you probably feel the same way, that the universe just has a way of surprising you. But you throw yeah. something out to it and they throw something back at you. And, uh, you know, to be adaptable and to be able to kind of roll with it and not be mad, you know, which is my tendency, mm. is, to, is um, it's kind of a wonderful thing. I've grown in my old age. I've grown to enjoy, you know, the surprise, I suppose. Um Although the surprise of blowing up my video card today was a little bit less welcome, but I did, <laughs> I did learn a few things. Anyway, well, not 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 every novelty is entirely pleasing, right? Uh, yeah, no, it's not. It's sometimes they're just merely educational. <laughs> <laughs> well, let's talk about like learning to be reflective and and responding to things. And I think I'm going to hit the transition music to go into our first section of the show. How about that? that Here we go. Excellent. Mm. Maybe something a little, a little deep, a little heavy. Oh, you, you. So um, let's talk about this thing uh, that you spent. <laughs> Here we go. Let's talk about the, the 2018 Groundhog Day resolution kickoff. Um, okay. For those who, you know, maybe are new to your blog, can you encapsulate what, what this project has been? I mean, this is the 12th year running, right? Yeah, yeah. The Groundhog Day resolutions originally came around because, um, well, there's two things. I love the movie Groundhog Day, the Bill Murray movie. Um, and secondly, uh, yeah, I've always, I think around that time I started, which was around 2007, I think. It was, um, I was just getting a taste that, you know, blogging was something that I liked doing. This was when blogging was relatively new. I had started, you know, roughly at the end of 2004. Around 2006, 2007, I kind of got involved with the blogging community back when blog networks were a thing. And then I went to South by Southwest Interactive for the first time and met all these people who, unlike like the people who were immediately around me, these were people who wanted to make good content and they wanted to share this search. There was this community, that I, this, my tribe. I found my tribe. And I was like, this is incredible. And is there some way that I can write words that are from me, not for someone else and have someone respond to them in a positive way and then somehow making a living for it? This was a big question in everybody's minds. You, you probably remember this like back then. All right, we're on the internet. We, we can make stuff and we can share it. How can we do this and not lose our shirts? And so we keep doing this. Like, and there are a lot of people trying different things. So our goal setting was much, very much on my mind. What goals should I set to make this happen? And so I thought, well, Groundhog Day resolutions, that's something because like, it's, um, I was like, I was going to make my resolutions on the first of the year, but it's like, you know, I was like all backlogged, all this work and this Christmas was just over and, I said, I'll just put this off. I can wait for a while. And so I can wait till February 2nd. That's a great day to start things. And the movie kind of goes along with that. Um, and so that's what I started doing. It was an easy thing to remember, too, because I, I, you know, at the time I had the presence of mind to say that, you know, like these goals are one thing. But I know that if I don't review them periodically, you know, then nothing's going to happen. So 
Uh, let me just follow the pattern. So on uh, if January 1st is the one I blow off and start on February 2nd, then March 3rd will be a good one. Then April 4th, uh, there was a nice pattern that I could follow the dates, 4, 4, 5, 5, 6, 6, 7, all the way up to uh, 12, 12. And then like it's because I was in that kind of blogging a mindset says like, yeah, it would be a good hook too to tie it into. So this this is content I can post and I can write about this thing. It's an easy. It's it'll be something that maybe has some legs to it. So the, all those 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 factors were were part of starting the Groundhog Day resolutions. And I wasn't really thinking ahead about where it would go. I thought, well, yeah, it'll be easy to make some goals and accomplish them and then move on. And 12 years later, they're thinking, hmm, it seemed to be the same goals I started with. And I, <laughs> it feels like I haven't made any progress on it. And I'm just older and fatter now. What does this mean? This is, you know, I had the really, the, the real crisis. The first crisis was, I think, seven years in. was like, okay, seven years is long enough where most people have their PhD finished by now. What do I have a PhD in now other than like not finishing these things? Am I going to be one of those like everything but dissertation type PhD students? And, oh, even a PhD program. So I'm like, where did this time go? And I was like, ugh. But then I got over it and uh, kind of continued more. But the 12th year seems like a good kind of round number of, uh, of consideration. And plus, you know, last year I was like feeling really, really low. I had like a real existentialist crisis about like whether or not the work I was doing had any meaning at all. And really, if I really cared about it. It was just like this numbness. I didn't feel that I was getting getting any kind of acknowledgement from the from the universe or from other people. People people seemed to like what I was doing, but they didn't seem to really understand me. And this was something that was really bothering me at the time. There were other things I was going through then too. Um, but you know, kind of the the overall um, effect was, you know, what's worth living for? It's like I make these forums, I post things on the internet. Does it really change anything? Do I really change? Hmm. Um, I mean, there's so many, and, and also there's so many things I could do, and I didn't feel excited about any of them. They were all just future chores, future uncertainties to deal with for uncertain gain. And I was just, you know, just tired of it. I wanted something something to happen to me without me having to work for it. Mm-hmm. That feeling like, and, and also what I heard in there, um, I wonder if we could dig at that a little bit, is this sense of, uh, getting some kind of signal that what you're doing is landing where you want it to land. Mm. Um, and you talked in the, the, the blog post that we showed up on screen and we'll link to in the show notes, the the kickoff. You talked about community a little bit and the uh, virtual co-working you're doing. And I wonder, um, has community, how does that affect like how you work and what you work on and, and how you're thinking about the stuff that you're collecting as you're progressing to your to your goals? I. It's an, it's an interesting question. I don't know if I could give you a clear, cut-and-dry answer. One insight I had, to my great surprise last year, was that I actually don't like working by myself, <laughs> that I actually like to work with other people. And this was a big surprise because I assumed I despised working with other people, which is why <laughs> I was freelancing. The reason like, I stopped working at corporate places is because, you know, like I was, you know, you know people didn't get along with me or they didn't do the way things in a way that like I liked or there was some, always some kind of disconnect in the few places that I worked at. Um, and uh, I remember when, again, I was talking about um, how when I realized that people would actually read what I was writing about and like it without the 
without supporting company or organization to give it some sort of authority. So I can be my own authority. Why do I need people, other people for? Let me pursue this and be the author of my own destiny through my words and my actions. And like, I'll share this on the internet and, this, and then things will happen. Um, but it turns out like I hate working by myself. And so that was like a big, big, big surprise. Uh, and uh, so the interesting thing about the uh, virtual co-working space was originally it had been an outgrowth of uh, me being an admin for a role-playing group on Discord. Like I used to play a game called uh, Wildstar, which is a MMORPG. And um, I got involved with it because like I really liked the uh, animated trailers they'd put out in it. But usually for MMORPGs, um, these big online games, I usually join the RP servers, the role-playing servers, because the people there are super nerdy, and they're into th- into the lore, and they uh, generally are nicer. You know, they're not just there to, like, you, to, to, to um, grind to the max level in the shortest amount of time and swearing at you all the time and, mm-hmm. you know, complaining about, like, you, whether or not you're healing fast enough or, like, if you're tanking properly. Um, yeah, you know, the people the the RP servers I found generally nicer, and I kind of fell in. I was fascinated by the RP experience. I wasn't an RPer at the time, the role player, but I was seeing them do this stuff, and so it's like they seem to. What? How are they doing this? Why are they doing? Uh, what? How? How does this work? How does role playing work? It's like, and and for me, like I've always been interested in identity and the idea that you could adopt a different identity and acted out in this world that didn't even like that use the game engine itself as as just like a stage and you weren't even like playing the game really you were just kind of walking around and and saying you were doing these things how do you agree on this how do you how do you coordinate that how there's no scripts they're just doing this thing and so i happened to like uh, make some friends in the role-playing community there and uh who had they had some really excellent um, perspectives on like what makes a good role player. There, there are certain like I think um, universal rules that like all online role players follow. But uh, this uh, this particular group of people that I fell in with, like they were principled about it, and they weren't too serious about it too. And so like I found that like very very interesting. And so anyway, like I, I somehow got involved with just being one of the admins for one of the, one of the groups because I knew how to do things on the internet and. Uh, um, that's kind of how I got the experience again, uh, being in the chat room, which I hadn't done like since my AOL days. And I used to be an AOL chat host for like how many years, hmm. seven or eight years, something like that. When AOL used to have one lobby, <laughs> um, but I was in the Apple II graphics and PC graphics farm. And I was like the person who was like, hi, welcome to the Apple II graphics farm. I am FC Davis. Welcome to the chat. You know, and then like people had questions, like I would facilitate them. And if someone came in and said something, I'd respond to them to make them feel that they were heard, you know. Um, And, you know, so this is kind of a big loop back to, well, let me have this chat room. Originally, it was just something I put together because um, I had started to play with the live streaming on YouTube. And I didn't like how the YouTube chat never plays a sound (laughs) whenever someone says anything because I'm not paying attention. I didn't have anyone running chat. Um, so people would say things I wouldn't notice for like 10 minutes. And so I said, if we integrate this with Discord, Discord makes a sound when something happens. I know that was possible. So let me figure out how to do all that sort of stuff. And then I just told people, I have this room here. And uh, just a couple of us were hanging out there for a while. 
And then um, I mentioned it on the blog and then readers started coming in. Say, hey, I've been following you for like 10 years and I uh, just checking this out. And then I think I just sort of naturally fell back into the hosting thing. Um, trying to make it an, an accessible place and a, a one that uh, reflected my values much more overtly than I have in the past when I've done these kinds of gatherings. You know, like the, running running an organization like this, it's not a democracy, uh, but you have to set the rules. Uh, and So you have to set the tone, let me say that, right up front. And so transparency, honesty, integrity, those are things that are um, not dictated, but they are demonstrated by people in the room. And so it was important for me to be be myself, but at the same time, you know, and enforce certain things. And so the room kind of evolved over time just because people were there and it was a work-focused room because uh, eventually it turned into a work-focused room when I realized that there was something was happening here that I didn't quite understand. Um, the people who are coming in had been following my work on my website, on my blog, the design work, and they were all generally productivity-oriented people. So like I said, well, I need to do all this work and I hate working by myself. It'd be nice if I was in a room, like this reminded me of IRC back when I was in grad school. And you just sort of hang out in the room and people would go, hey, you know, what are you doing? What are you, I'm doing this thing. Okay, that's cool. And you could have that kind of sense that there were people around and they would somehow settle my heart in a way that I wasn't just by myself suffering <laughs> doing this work. There were other people who were also suffering so we could suffer together. <laughs> um, and so but the, the distinction I wanted to make, I didn't want the room to be a distraction. So the idea I had was I wanted it to be, uh, you could choose your level of distraction. So there's a regular chat room, and but then there's a work log room, which you're not supposed to post conversations or questions. You're just like, I'm doing this, short and sweet. And then I'm doing, so the idea, if you're in the work log room, you just see people like doing, I'm doing this, I'm doing this, I did this. And you're encouraged to like, you know, cheer for people and stuff like that. Um, but that's why I don't, if I want just to be, see people doing stuff, that's the room that you go in. If I feel like maybe um, just sort of having a chat in the background, that's good too. But since the overall purpose of the room is to be doing things, it's not a place where you entertain yourself or, or distract yourself from work. You are working when you're here. You may be working very socially, but it's the level, maybe that's the level that you need at one time. Maybe you're doing work that allows that. And so anyway, I'm kind of rambling on about this. But the, the, it, the, the chat room grew out of this, I think, this need I had to connect with people again. And maybe it was an aspect of sharing that I think I had missed um, in a way, like it's, it sort of started to replace the blogging. I noticed at one point that I was just writing much more in the chat room than I had been blogging for a long time. And the difference was the, um, it was interactive. Someone would ask a question or I would ask a question and then a conversation would ensue. When that happened enough times, we opened up these side rooms like we had the Lyceum room where we could have like, you know, seminar style discussions outside of the main chat. And we opened up the technical room where people could geek out about programming stuff because it was cluttering up the chat room and uh, there's a there's a good number of nerds there now and we just started an organizational development room because apparently we have a lot of org dev people in here too now um but finding ways of of uh harnessing and redirecting people's interests in a way that still surrounds around the work and the doing of things that that's kind of the general vibe that's that's evolved from this and uh it's been pretty cool 
there's so so many interesting threads in what you're describing because if you if you look if you tie back it's almost like uh, I'm, I'm hearing how you're exploring and finding ways to solve prior problems, like even reflecting back to you mentioned um, maybe finding a mismatch in um, your interest or, or style in working in like a, a corporate situation, right? Mm-hmm. Where a lot of times you'll, you'll notice behaviors that are, they're social, but they're, they're more distractionally, distraction type social than the sort of, hey, we're cheering each other on in our work and mm-hmm. maybe digging a little bit deeper here and there, but then getting back to it, it which is not the typical thing that you encounter in, in, in those situations. It's kind of like the commiseration, like, you know, you know, oh, it's another Monday. Am I right? Nope. Yeah, you're right. Here's yeah. a gif. Wow. That's funny gif. And here's another, and then all of a sudden these back and yep. forth, um, things that are, that totally don't pertain other than maybe there's a common thread of like, there's, everyone may be looking for a way to feel good about their work mm-hmm. and connect to other people, but you've got like a different recipe for that going on. I guess so. It's, that's an interesting way of putting it. I never thought of it as this, this recipe. I guess there's this bundle of uh, un, unwritten principles that I have. That I've never written down. You know, one of the things I did early on was like, I banned all links out of our main chat room. There's a separate room for that. This is something I'd seen other servers do because, like in, like in the um, game morning servers, people are posting cat pictures in the chat all the time, and you can't really talk anymore because it just scrolls everything just scrolls off it. So I said, yep. no links in chat. That's the only hard rule that I enforce in there, is because like when I want that room for conversation, I want people to interact in there. I don't want people to distract each other with like I saw this funny thing. Another soft rule is that I generally want people to post their own ideas and opinions on things. I don't want them to just like share other things to click on. I mean, there's a difference between, and this is the way I write my blog posts too. Like I'll, if I see something I think is interesting, I'll share it, but I'll have to add, I have to add my own take on it and my own tie my other experiences into this to make it something new, to make it something that's from me. And uh, so that's kind of like a soft um, requirement, I think that comes out in the chat room, although I don't really enforce it. But I think the just even having the separate linking room maybe helps constrain all that stuff to one place so the main chat remains conversationally oriented. So all these things that you're describing do add up to like a um, shaping influence. And I'm wondering if this mm. shaping influence that um, that you're you're curating and you're sharing and like how is it how is it affecting you and is that is that like part of your foothold toward um, moving past or maybe you haven't moved past uh, some of that sort of uh, roadblocking, difficult, mm-hmm. emotional milestones of, of hitting mm-hmm. like almost periods of ennui and saying like, well, yeah. is there meaning in this? What have you? But mm-hmm. then you're clearly creating and connecting with other signals. And, you know, is there a back and forth here that, that I think, I think you could say there's a back and forth. What I would say right now, I feel pretty good. And I couldn't have said this like a six months ago, but, um, as I've seen the chat room just grow without me enforcing things on it and people sharing stuff. Like it's, uh, I get a, I get a lot out of the room because I just see other people who are smarter than me face having the same facing challenges and they're trying to face them positively. Some days they have a bad, bad day. Like, you know, my pet has this, this issue that I'm dealing with and people are commiserate, but it doesn't turn into this, this like pity party or anything like that. 
people are generally pretty you know, just sharing it. There's a rule, another rule I have in here that's like, if there's something really upsetting you and you need to get it off your chest, proceed your text with the word venting in front of it. So we know that we don't have to be concerned about this long term. You know, this is just something that I have with my, my um, real life friends or my physical friends. So we just are like, if I need to get something on my chest, I'm like, dude, I'm just going to vent and say a whole bunch of stuff that's probably going to sound really weird. But you don't have to hold on to it. I'm just getting it off my chest. And then my friends know, and I had the same deal with them. Okay, I'm going to reset after this. And you're the same person that I am. I'm not going to be concerned about it. I know you're just venting things. So, so yeah, the uh, one I'm getting out back from it is, uh, you know, really a sense of community and uh, growing friendships. The surprising thing, too, is just that there's a people from all over the world in here. Um, the one of the first people who came in was from New Zealand, and I was amazed at how well the voice chat worked between here <laughs> on the East Coast and New Zealand. Um, and there's people in the room all the time now. So it's, you know, because we have all these different time zones in there. Um, it's fun to have hold on to little bits of people's lives, like knowing like, oh, this person here is a professor in the Netherlands, but originally came from the UK and uh, likes a certain kind of biscuit. And then you can ask him about that biscuit. And there's other people who are starting like nonprofit businesses in education and people who are students who are learning how to do translation and localization stuff. And they've just moved from another country to the United States and they're surrounded by seals in Monterey Bay and it's cool. And I'm getting these, these different inputs that aren't weighing me down emotionally, but they're just kind of adding to the sense of life of, of people around me in a way that is, is not um not toxic not uh it doesn't weigh me down and mm -hmm. uh, i'm not sure exactly how it works but it's just sort of you know um kind of kind of astonishing that that it happens at all <laughs> so uh, that, i don't that's, know if that's such a question. great way that's such an interesting angle that i hadn't considered in thinking about this because i was coming at it from the sense of like as somebody who I teach a lot of comics classes to young people, and so I get this – like my comics don't always give me like a constant signal that, that they are meaningful to people. I'm, I'm sure they are, but I don't receive the signal back, right? Mm -hmm. The echo mm -hmm. goes out, and maybe people are happy, maybe people are not. Uh, maybe I'll get a few likes on a social media platform, but nothing like tangible like, oh, this made my life better in this substantial way. But when I work with young people, I get to get that signal a lot. I know yeah. when it's working and when it's not. And like, mm -hmm. I can see the moments when I really helped somebody. Yeah. And it's like, wow, that's, yeah. that's, that's a very motivating thing to keep you going. Right. Mm -hmm. But mm -hmm. equally important is just knowing that there's a context to what you're doing and you are not alone in doing what you're going through yeah. right now. There's a value in just having that like sort of background radiation happening around you. Right. Yeah. Um, yeah. Because a, a lot of times I think about, you know, well, when, when you work alone in cartooning, as I'm sure it is, Rob will uh, back me up on uh, coding, is an endeavor where somebody says, hey, do you like to sit alone for six hours at a go? Yeah, you bet I do. <laughs> Here you go. Here's a job. No. Um, which which is part of the appeal of it because, yes, you know, like it's it's fun to get lost in that, that headspace. Yeah, yeah. But you can lose all sense of context to where I've, I'll forget sometimes that uh, the struggle I'm encountering has been a dealt with a hundred times before by other cartoonists and B there's people going through that right now in their own mm -hmm. way. And just having that sort of 
reassurance that you're not yeah. you're not crazy like you're not yeah. crazy for finding this difficult right mm-hmm. yeah yeah I, I think that's the room helps him with that it, it's it's helped me feel that yeah I, I intellectually i knew that i wasn't alone intellectually i knew that what i was doing had some impact on people i'd gotten enough signal back to know that it was something above the noise floor um but i think what's missing is like the human warmth that comes from just hearing it in real time someone telling you like you know you know like i really like you know, i love this this article you wrote or this thing you made at school or well, that's silly but i like it um <laughs> there's something so, something about that you know there's probably people wondering where they can find out about these uh chat rooms in these workspaces where's the best place they should go to look for that um you can you can search for virtual co-working on google um if you want to go directly to to my page i usually don't don't advertise because i want people to kind of like they have to work for it actually i don't provide links okay. directly to it because right, then but people we won't look directly to it yeah but uh, you look if you go to davisa.com slash virtual dash co-working it describes the concept of it um so there's a deliberate threshold i put there so if if I made it easy for people to come in and kick the tires, I would lower the quality of the room. People who oh you're yeah yeah, yeah. you're right yeah. So if people find it, people there's been a few people that showed up who just typed in virtual coworking one day and they found the room, uh, and they came in and they stayed because it was surprise surprising. But not everyone stays. But I know from the past that you know maybe five to ten percent of the people who try this out might actually really really get something from it. But those those are the the true audience. That's what I I create. Who I create for the market is something that can be derived from that work. Now that's that's really wise. Putting that tiny friction point at the door says so like are you, basically asking, are you sure? That's, yeah, like I'm gonna you, you're gonna have to type something and search for it and figure out how to do it. Not like oh, I'm gonna click on this because it's candy. <laughs> and I'm gonna go in here and I'm gonna thrash around and like oh like I'm gonna just say a bunch of stuff and leave you know I think I set put up the same threshold on my on my website because I write such old, long form confusing articles the people who really stick through it really see something in it that is important to them it's not the kind of thing that you can read something comment on it and then and then go away you have to, so but you know, it's 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 probably not smart from a marketing content perspective. And one day, if I didn't find it so boring, I would like actually make content that was more bite sized and uh, well, I mean, but still cool. I don't know. Depends on how many uh, I don't know conversations that are more reactionary and stuff that you want to participate in, right? Because yep, that's yep. you're inherently setting and in, uh, you you've got there's a theme on on some of the both of these these different venues of work that you're describing that. Um, it's not that you're putting something out and being uh, arbitrarily setting setting up barriers or friction points. It's just that inherently in the work, um, it ha- it is of a form that has value in the investment. Yes. So yeah. that or, that has a nature to it that mm. is is uh, is different than like a tiny text blurb that is a honed. Um, hey, check this out, link. You'll never believe what happened. When, you know, I, I, you know, there, how could you even make that up with, I was trying to think, make up one that said emergent task, task planner, but even saying emergent task planner, it, that's not clickbait. 
<laughs> like, no, it's like I dare you to make one. a clickbait link for Emergent Taskbinder. I don't think I don't think it can be done. Yeah. The, the slogan that I've tried to make most clickbait is "Plan your day as it happens," but you know, still, still has required some thoughtful. thinking. I yeah, know. I know. I kind of like, <laughs> so, how do you even like make a promise that like I'm always My worried about? Your brain like, is not activated by by what you said, <laughs> yeah. and so inherently, like, like so, you're providing planning. <laughs> maximum planning instant results yeah like um, viagra for productivity uh i don't know I, i'm bad at this <laughs> i can't even name things yeah. <laughs> so, but yeah so it's it's i forgot what we're talking about but it's, <laughs> this this may be as good a spot as any to take a break and uh you know do an ad spot and then we can come back and maybe we can talk about the uh accrual bucket because this is yes. probably one of the most exciting things i've read in a while uh, <laughs> on your blog. I, I'm really excited about this, and I can't wait to dig into it with okay, you. Because the moment I, I, I read your initial thoughts, and I'm like, oh, this is like totally reframing how to think about productivity, for me yes. at least. And I yeah, yeah. I'm, I want to talk about like your experiences with it so far. So if you want, you can go grab a cup of coffee while we do a minute 30 ad spot. <laughs> Uh, we got to thank some okay. people who make this show possible, and those people happen to be the people who support us on Patreon. Yes, patreon.com slash art is where you can find it. And what is it? It's a way for you to give us a monthly upvote. If you, if you believe in us, if you believe in the, the, the work that we do, you can support us for as little as a dollar a month. And uh, why are you laughing, Rob? <laughs> I, I like the automatic camera switching where we're basically you're narrating Dave preparing coffee. So go ahead. It's wonderful. Oh no! I've got I've got the the, the screen pulled up the oh, the Patreon site. That's fine. <laughs> so well, I think five people have been supporting us on that's Patreon. What, that, that's way more important. Thanking our patrons is way more important than than my uh, silly whims as far as our production situation. <laughs> First, I want to thank Ashley Knapp at Control Alt Lee on Twitter. Thank you, Ashley, and Casey Snipes. You can find Casey on Twitter at letter K, letter C, Snipes. And longtime friend of the show, Jesse Kaufman. Jesse Kaufman on Twitter. Rachel Ross, thank you for believing in us and what we do, Rachel. You can find Rachel on Twitter at NYC Terrace. And finally, Spencer Hallam. Thank you, everybody, who, uh, for believing us enough to support us on Patreon. If you want to join them, you can go to patreon.com slash lean into art where you can find all the shows that we do, including the extra leans, the shows we record in between these shows where Rob and I just riff on an idea live. And we usually don't have an agenda, but we usually land on something pretty interesting. And it uh, becomes an open mic post that's only available to the folks who support us on Patreon. Well, that's right. Again, that's patreon.com slash lean into art. And our deep thanks to all of our current patrons and those of you who are about to head out there now. I'm going to do that. I'm going to support you guys. Wow. That's very kind. Well, there, there's a re-endorsement right there. Um, You're doing great work. All right. It's a moral imperative. <laughs> <laughs> all right, time to... It that way. But yeah, awesome. <laughs> Here comes the bridge music for the next part. Yeah. Uh-oh, what? So this is to get Rob fired up to talk about the accrual bucket. Uh, let me pull up that, that post. We can look at it together. The productivity accrual bucket. I read about it at davidsay.com. Uh, what is this thing? It's a bucket. You put things in. <laughs> okay. <laughs> Any particular things? Things that have some kind of value. 
So the idea about of the accrual bucket, this is based on an idea I had about this fruit orchard model of productivity like years ago. And um, <clears throat> it's, it's somewhat similar to, are you familiar with um, the um, structured procrastination um, concept? Some guy who wrote about this. Is that where uh, you purposefully have different tasks that if you're bored with one, you dig into your list of tasks and you tackle something else that you're more interested in? Or is it's it different? much less responsible than that. It's, it's more of like you, it's, it's a realization, and some professor wrote this, uh, that a lot of the times the things you procrastinate, you probably didn't have to do in the first place. So you might as well just do the things that you want to do in the moment and they will be useful and then things will kind of work themselves out. Uh, I don't have a link handy, but if you search for structured procrastination, I'll look uh, it up. Yeah, there's um, so there was a book that it was written on uh, Amazon. It's on Amazon too. That's uh, okay. I get, I Professor Emeritus said Stanford or something like that. Um, but so the idea is that I realized that the the model of productivity I was trying to follow was what I was thinking of as the factory model. You have processes, you have tasks. They get done in a certain order. As they get done, they produce results. The results are aggregated into some larger thing that can be then refined and then put into a product that can be marketed and packaged and all these things and then put online and, and, and you know, all this sort of stuff. And stuff that I was trying to do for the first maybe seven years of the Groundhog Day Resolution stuff. And I realized I really sucked at it. I didn't like doing it. I hated it. I hate, I, I, I hate having something to, I hate being, having an authority telling me what to do. It's, even if it's me telling me what to do, I hate it. And I just fessed up and said, you know, I really hate telling myself what to do. I hate being told what to do. This is, but at the same time, I need to get these things done. And, but I noticed that the things that seem, I still seem to be making things of value. Like, the the original productivity forms I made, you know, in the guise of I need to be more structured, so uh, let me make this thing in Illustrator. I don't know how to use Illustrator anyway, so I might as well learn how to do it. And I made this thing, and the colors I picked are pretty, so let me put it online and share it. And, oh, people like it. I like this feeling. Let me make some more of these things. That wasn't planned. It was me just following an urge it was this itch this idea like this could be a really good idea and i can do it right now and i need to do it right now and get out of my head and then the result was something tangible you know and then going back to the original i had made this form called the concrete goals tracker which was like that first productivity form i made which was described a list of things that were of value everything else that wasn't on the list was something that wasn't that wouldn't have value and, and for example um if you're a freelancer, what has value is cashing a check. So that gave that like the 10 points if I could cash a check. This, another one would be if I booked a contract in writing, that was worth 10 points. And so those are things I want. I want to get these things every day. But you know, there's things that you do to support them. Like so in the next group, which were five points each, there were things like um, I drew a picture. I wrote some code. Something that you've made that was finished that you could that, that would fulfill the contract or – create something that was persistent, that lasted, that stuck around, that you could reuse, reshape, duplicate, clone. And then after that, on the two-point marks, two-point uh, groups were things like I talked to somebody, I showed something that I made to someone else. Um, you know, those conversations, the connectedness aspect of it. And then the one-point things were tended to be things I was doing every day, like I answered an email or I looked up something that was related to a project. 
And so I figured the things that were on this list were all things that would contribute to the well-being of my um, freelance practice. You know, cash and checks, talking to people about what I do, um, doing the work that has lasting value and then doing the maintenance things that I tend to do anyway. The reason why I even had that group was like, there's some days I didn't really get very anything at all. And so when I was tracking the points that was occurring every day, I could see at least I got uh, some emails done. So three or four points there, but then I cashed a check today. That's 10 points. That feels good. I made finish something. That's another five points. That's good. So like the reason why the, the balance was the, the waiting was so extreme is because I wanted to really feel those big accomplishments as being like a big, huge surge of points. And um, this was an interesting way of, of tracking things and keeping my mind focused on really what mattered. And it was structured specifically for the freelance practice. Um, so those five, those five point elements, those are sort of the things that go in the accrual bucket. So things that I make that um, are tipping, you can actually look at it online. Um, yeah, I got it pulled. I'll pull it up on okay. the screen right now so people can see the the spreadsheet. All right, we're looking at it now. Yeah. yeah. So the, uh, the so the idea is that um, these are things I think have lasting value, and so this is this is the there's two actually two parts of the accrual bucket. There's the accrual bucket where you're collecting things that I think have um, persistence beyond the day it's not something like i did my laundry you gotta do your laundry again someday so it doesn't really count as anything that's accrued um the other one is the is the um, project combobulator which i have not made yet because i haven't been able to combobulate anything yet which is like taking things that are in the accrual bucket which are kind of the raw results that i've i've produced but then turning it into something that is package for somebody else the things in the accrual bucket are things for me it's like me walking around my food farm and says and those pears look like they're ready to look pretty ripe let me pick a few of those and put them in my bucket no the zucchini is coming well there's a few things over here and let me gather these all things up give them a scrub and i'll put them on my fruit stand that that's kind of the thinking i was having behind these things and so like what tangible things can i get and put there and so this is a very early look at i i do know what the best form from the cruel bucket was. So I just made the spreadsheet and I tried to provide links to, uh, the places on it that I could click on them and just go and see it. So that, so the idea is when I'm reviewing this thing, I can see what did I get done in the past few days that went into the bucket and trying to put something in the bucket every day that has some sort of reusability to it. Um, I wanted to see if that felt productive. And so it's, it's, I'm not saying that this is a system that works yet. And like the, it's as part of an overall idea of having this gathering style productivity system, which is the, uh, similar to the fruit model, but it's, it's really an embracing of like, of like, I get stuff done every day that I haven't planned. Um, how can I take that and turn it into a realistic, sustainable model for making things? And because I know that there are people out there who, who um, like I've worked at uh, various companies, like game companies, and there's people there who were, you know, really not so good at planning things, but they made amazing work, you know, and the amazing work is really what people remembered what counted. It wasn't that they did it on time or that they could give you an estimate that was accurate within 20% um, or that they even <laughs> knew what they wanted before they, they needed it. Um, they just did good work. And that's what yeah. mattered, you know? Um, and why I want, I've been trying to deprogram myself from this, this manager mentality, because I, I learned how to be creative in the context of working for other people who are 
who were managing things or project managers and we had to meet deadlines and the emphasis that was put on this like if the company won't survive if we can't do this on time and it was in hindsight it was not a way for me to find the joy in the making of things um and you know so i was carrying around this idea that like okay i had to really be on top of time management i need to really predict things but there was just i i at some point i realized there's no i find no joy in doing this um the the joy i i get comes from the collaboration with people to solve problems not solve problems expediently so we can meet a deadline but to really get into them and solve them or or that we're getting together and we're talking about, you know what we could do? We could get sour cream and then we could get potato pancakes and then we could get ground beef. And I don't know, like a, a whole bunch of oregano and we could mix that up into some kind of dough perhaps. And if we deep fried it, what would happen? Would it be good? It seems like it might be good. Why aren't we doing this right now? Well, let's do it right now. So that's those are the kind of experiences that like I find really joyful and I want to be doing more of. But how do you how can you live that life? Excuse me. And still, you know, not like not like die in the snow like the uh, grasshopper in that um fable, the uh, ants sure. in the grasshopper. You know that oh, those ants and their 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 task lists, they're so factory oriented, aren't they? They're yes, not- yes. Is that the name? Maybe a misremember. There's like so, some fable I remember in which like the grasshopper spends the summer dancing, playing the fiddle. The, mm-hmm. the ants are working and they're gathering stuff, and the grasshopper is making fun of them for not, you know, not taking a break and having a good time because it's the summertime. Then the winter comes around, and then the ants are like, you know, warm in their burrow, and the grasshopper is freezing to death. You know, I keep thinking about that. Like I don't want to be the grasshopper, but mm-hmm. I think there are some aspects of the grasshopper that. If I could incorporate that into some sort of model that that pays off, and to some extent it has, but the things that I make that seem that other people seem to enjoy were created not on a schedule. Is there a way of me productively doing that and by redefining what productivity is? If I measure productivity by the things I put in this bucket and the things that I can make from what's in the bucket and to create stuff that's other people find useful or valid. And if I trust myself that I can do this, uh, maybe there's something there. And so that's what this whole system is about. Uh, uh, this is what the experiment is. I don't know if, what the answer is to it. It may be, it's probably going to be some combination of things, but uh, this is the, I would say this is the goal. One of the major goals of this year's Groundhog Day resolutions to see if I can make this work. Well, yeah, I mean, what's the um, is I mean, do you have how do you how do you balance out that 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 I mean, there is some process. So the grasshopper must be okay with processes that fit certain experiences. Where if if it doesn't feel like you're managing yourself or uh, being managed, then then it may be that um, accruing things. But at some point, the accruing things takes like uh, some does the grasshopper ever look at opportunity in it, in its own bucket? Right. Is that, I mean, because at some point stuff mm-hmm. gets in the bucket, but then the bucket itself is like, Oh, um, what does this mean? And right, what right. happens next? Yeah. That's, that's why I wanted the uh, project combobulator. So realizing the stuff that I'm putting in this bucket, these are things that I think are useful, but they haven't been turned into something that's, it's called polished. 
that's the hard part. So it's easy for me to produce these things, but for this to get to the point in which I create something that is designed for a market, and this is the part that I'll have to figure out at some point. In the meantime, mm. you know, so I'm seeing what I did this year, and like there's things happening to me every day. I might look in the bucket and just be reminded, oh, I did this thing the other time, and like I was talking to someone else just yesterday, and uh, this actually, with a little bit of tweaking, might be something that works for that. Or maybe because I've made the accrual bucket public, people will look into that and say, like, you made this thing. I was wondering what it was. And I could explain it to them. And in the act of explaining it, mm. then, like, some idea comes from that. And then what would be really great is if that person I'm talking to says, like, yeah, you know, you want to collaborate on that? You know, says, like, yeah, like, let's, let's, let's put a minimum, just an hour into this and see what we get. And maybe that would be something that's worth pursuing. Um I don't know if it'll work out like that, but at least I'll be ready with the list of things in the accrual bucket. These things that are in the bucket have to be tangible. They can't just be ideas. Everyone has got ideas. They have to be something like, I can take this, I can email to you, I can point it to you, I can give you the instructions, and you can use this thing right now. It's not ready for the mainstream use, um, but you can apply, apply it. It's like if you're visiting like someone's workshop and, and you're a comparable a craftsperson to that person and they'd show you some trick with a hammer or something like that. You can go home and say, look, I'm making like hammered um, steel drums now that I didn't think I could make, but I'm going to make them out of something else. And I'll get back and show that person and uh, maybe it'll be funny <laughs> or something interesting will happen from it. The, the idea of tangibility and being able to have those things in trade, I think is not one is it's an important credibility indicator if you're dealing to dealing with somebody but it also is a demonstration of what your skills are, and it's a way of of um, providing uh, talking points or props. You know, like we, I think we've talked about this before. But the idea about having, if you have something in front of you that you can talk about, and you're touching it, you can roll it over, you can examine it. Um, there's something about that process that changes the way you think about things. For one thing, you're listening and you're 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 engaged with it. I'm not sure this works for everybody, but it's 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 a way of getting out of my my own head and like putting putting the idea in the real world at least partly and um i think better things come out of that for me than like you know if someone says like i have a great idea for something it's this 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 and this what do you think do you want to make it do you think we want to invest in it and i'm going like it's like I, I, I love that you have this idea and i think you should do it yourself and the reason why i say that is because i don't know if that person has the ability to produce um I admire that they have the idea, but I need to see a little bit more from that person to say, like, I can do this thing. Because for me, I don't, I don't want to be in the position like you've got the skills, do this thing for me, um, or like uh, I'm the idea person, and that was the important thing. Is no, I have ideas. I don't need your idea. You know, like what I want is connection to someone who's invested in this process, who's committed to seeing something through, who has the skills. The, or the ability to acquire the skills and the desire to acquire and master these skills. Those are the people I want to work with. I don't want to work with someone just because it might be profitable. That's like the least interesting reason for me to do anything. Uh, unless it was profitable. This is a and, different and flavor. Funny. Yeah, go ahead. This is, this is a different flavor though from, you're talking about making it a daily thing, but it's a very different flavor from like, like daily challenges that are out there like NaNoWriMo mm -hmm. or one that, yep. you know, uh, we do every year uh, Inktober. We're drawing mm -hmm. a drawing every day for the month mm -hmm. of October. 
Uh, and, and Rob and I have talked in past shows about how, like, ways we've tried to, like, hack the game to, like, make it more interesting to us. Like, okay, yeah, let's check in every day with this drawing, but what else can we explore with that while we're mm-hmm. doing it? So it's not mm-hmm. just about the, the drawing, but some other kind of playful creative exploration. But hmm. you've you've talked on your blog in the past about how, like, daily challenges kind of – have. you did one where you did, like, a 331-day challenge. I, Is that I, right? I tried to. It was like the one yeah. of the Groundhog Day Resolutions, and I did three months and burned out. It was too much. I couldn't but this is that. doing a daily thing, right? So, like, how is how does making it into the accrual bucket, sort of making a daily thing, change the complexion of the shipping something daily versus the focus, like, I'm do I think, drawing a day kind of challenge? I think I could define the difference like this. When I was doing the daily challenges of making thing a day, that was an intentful, I'm going to make a thing today. I would choose it in the beginning of the day, and I would try to get it done as quickly as possible so I could get back to my other work, which actually pays me for stuff. Um, The difference between that and the accrual bucket is the accrual bucket is really your harvesting, your gathering. It's not like I have the intention of producing a fruit through sheer willpower. I am going to squirt it out of my body, and I am going to put this in the accrual bucket. <laughs> okay. Uh, <laughs> well, what just what just happened? Like, I, I was doubled over. <laughs> well, so Dave is switching batteries in uh, in his, uh, oh. his headset. <laughs> um, yeah, I thought I killed the show. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> it's it's a powerful <sighs> metaphor. Uh, it has a lot of <laughs> lot of functional elements, and. Uh, I- he knows he's talking to very visually oriented people, right? <laughs> yeah. Oh, I know I know at least a half of the audience saw what I saw when he said that. Oh, oh dear lord. Uh but yeah, that, that's exactly what, where what I was thinking of, but not in those terms is this idea of like willing something into being versus Yeah, yeah. Yeah, collecting what you do during the day, right? Squirting. Yeah, so so yeah, so it's it's like you're it's your you're walking around the your your fruit farm, right? And you say, you know what, those look ready. Let me just grab those while I'm here. That's that's kind of the difference versus the challenges like I'm gonna go out there and I'm gonna find that fruit tree and I'm gonna bend it to my will, it's gonna give me fruit. I don't care if it's green, I don't care if it's not even if they're just blossoms, I'm gonna take what's mine and put it on the shelf and say like yeah i did that i am the so, master of my command you're like where's my pears tree and it's like i'm an apple tree <laughs> yeah. and you're like give me a pear no no today you're a pear tree you know no apple no one's buying apples these days pears are where it's at <sighs> so it's so it's less severe it's less prescriptive than what you're yeah, describing yeah. yeah i think that's yeah you could say that it's well the challenge is like i that was more intentful. And when I'm trying to get away from this year, and this, this it came out of like the depression I had last year, but I was just so tired of trying to do things on purpose. And so like the idea of the gathering model of productivity is to have a taskless, timeless <laughs> management system. Well, it's not a management system, but it's a different way. If instead of like everyone else is like, you, you take a task, you break it down into a small steps, so and you do a step at a time and you log the results and you time, make sure you, you see how much time you spend on it. And you review your list every day. You check off your to-dos. Boring. God, I hate that. I hate every minute of it. It's necessary, right? But it, may not, but it might not be as necessary as I think it is. Mm. 
if I am putting something in the cruel bucket every day, and maybe more than one thing, and if I evolve a process that looks in that bucket and says, all right, it's been 30 days, what's in the bucket? Hmm. It's like, it'd be like if you are, if you're visiting your aunt's house and you're saying like, I'm going to make my aunt a nice meal because she's had a long day and you look in the refrigerator to see what's there and you go, huh, well, there's this and there's this and there's this. Maybe I can make something interesting out of this. Mm. Or but you're doing that with, with the, the fruits of your own labor. Um, there's, a, there's an optimism here. Like I, I think I'm, mm. I'm, I think I'm getting it, and and um and I don't mean it like it's an it's an un, it's a naive optimism. It's it's almost like a a confidence in belief and acknowledgement yeah. of of that your skills and what will emerge from you just going about what you care about doing and sort of trusting. Yeah, that's that's really insightful. Like I had realized, I think the reason why I made it work, or I think it could work. Like there's this idea I had about something called happy bubble time. And happy bubble time was when I would just put every every managed managing thought on my head. Says, you know what? I'm going to sit here. I'm just going to surf the internet and try to make something, and you know, just see where it goes. There's no there's no uh, direction for it. I'm going to spend an hour doing whatever I want and see where it goes. And the reason why I thought this was a good idea was because I know that when I'm have this time to myself, I am not the kind of person who just consumes. I'm uh, not just looking for cat videos, although there are, there are other times for that. That's not happy bubble time. That's just me goofing off. Happy bubble time is a kind of intentful, like I'm exploring, I'm learning, I'm, I'm applying my mind. And I learned to trust myself and that like after a certain amount of time of being alive, I says, you know what, actually, as much as I think I'm screwing up on, on stuff and not as capable of this person or I haven't gotten this job or haven't risen to the position or not making this much money, if I'm in the room with something, as a challenge, like I generally don't seem to have a problem figuring something out about it. And I'm no longer embarrassed about whether or not it was a good idea or not, or it was a good approach or even the best approach, because I know that I learned things the hard way. So like, you know, for again, to this has been bothering me all this. So like, so this video card, which is like a old R9 290, I think when I bought it, it was like $350 five years ago. Um, it was running too hot. So I said, you know what? I've been watching videos on YouTube and I think I can just take the heat sink off, reapply new thermal paste and bring those temperatures down. So the thing didn't keep slowing down because it would get too hot and it would throttle. Hmm. And so I did that and thinking like, mm, yeah, so there's some risk to it. I could just break the thing. This is the only video card I have right now. Um, and so for 15 glorious minutes, I achieved my goal. And then something burned out on it and there was no more video. <laughs> and it was weird because like first the high resolution modes blinked out and then the low resolution modes blinked out and then all the text modes blinked out and it was gone. It was like an episode of the Twilight Zone. Mm. But like oh, that, that one when that, that woman's looking at the sun and her vision disappears. It was kind of like that. Um, and so I forget what was going on. This is like, a, this was an experiment. This was something I wanted to try. It was a kind of a high risk thing. But um, I guess I was somewhat ready to accept the consequences of it. It's an older card, so um, I, th I think it was all right. But I I'm drawing some sort of philosophical thing about it. So the, the punishment of having to buy a new video card, which is especially bad, because right now video card prices are through the roof because of all the crypto miners. Right. Yeah, so you can't buy this. this uh, buying an equivalent card today for this should cost about $180. They're all running about 450 Mm -hmm. um and it's aggravating 
But uh, anyway, I've, I've learned to trust myself in just doing these things and then kind of rolling with it and uh, learning to trust myself for trying stuff out, you know, and, and being willing to risk something um, that doesn't really feel like a risk. I'm kind of, ramb- I'm kind of rambling here, so well, you need, well, might need to bring me home on this. Okay. Well, I, I, I heard a few different things. So you're describing a, so this is a model. This is in a real situation of uh, living out something that um, uh, you're, you're doing things that are incidentally attractive and, and interesting that are somewhat approachable, even though you are like, well, I need to do a little bit of studying to take care of this. And somehow yeah. it doesn't, that didn't become a learning plan. You didn't say, well, I need to hit these milestones. And before I can take apart this video card, I have to, no, you just continued about it, yeah. felt confident enough to approach it. But in the end, so this was, this sounds like something that would go, oh, this is in the accrual bucket, right? You fixed video card. Because yep. now it's like, well, you could eBay it. You could reuse it. You could do all sorts of stuff, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, who knows? Give it to a friend. But it's, it's a thing, and that's finished, that, that you, you, you um, put value into. Yeah. But then hindsight, it, does it come out of the bucket? When it, when it's, uh, or does the lesson go in the bucket, or what happens? What it, in this case, what it would store is the... Um, is maybe the the insight that I got from having done this and having ruined this card, <laughs> um, which would be this thing. I, I the theory would be like you know I did this instead of that, or maybe I should have been more careful about that. I didn't anticipate it. No one else had said anything about it that I saw on the internet. So, oh well. Mm. Um, and you know then count my blessings that I can afford to buy a new video card, <laughs> uh, even though it's going to be a really crappy one. Um, so yeah, so the, I, I guess this might not be the best example. This little video card thing—it's just sitting in front of me, mocking me. Uh, but the idea of of um, having the confidence, I think, to try things out and see where they go, and then also I, another thing I should—I'm just grateful for—is that I actually do have the freedom to do that. It's—I don't have um, a whole lot of other things that are demanding my time and attention. Um, I work for myself right now. I have contracts lined up for the next couple of years. Um, they're with people that I like working with. I can set the schedule and I can set the direction of development. Um, I put in the time to have a website and I have the skills to do these things, do to maintain these things. And I'm you know, very lucky to even have that opportunity. And I try not to have a sense of survivor guilt about it. Mm-hmm. Um, because that, that tends to diminish the motivation as well. Because like, he says, like, I used to think like, I should be doing much more with these, these gifts that I have and I'm not what's wrong with me. Hmm. So, mm-hmm. so the gathering model in a sense is also a reflection of like, maybe it's all right for me just to do what it is that I do. There's other people who are more driven, more focused, more directed, who are accomplishing far more with the same amount of time and the, and the same amount of skill, you know? Um, why do I feel the need to compare myself to them? Um, and I still do, you know, so there's still that little bit of doubt, but I think the, the, the thing that gets me out of that is like, I've turned this into an exploration. I've, I've committed to the idea that I'm going to run at this problem, you know, with some caution of trying to figure out how to make a life that has meaning without following 
this rid, more, more more rigid structure in which like I'm mm. supposed to do these things. And then maybe maybe the result of this isn't going to be wealth or fame, but it will be able to tell the story that like I tried this and this is what happened. And I am sure this is what happened because it happened to me and I'm telling you about it. And let if in the telling of that there might be because you know, I'm putting this out in the universe, there might be something that saves someone some time, or maybe they can combine it with some other experience that they've had, or at least not feel so bad about it. Because here's someone who, who screwed up in many ways, but still somehow eked out something that they liked. I don't know. That's again, the, I will know I'm finished with the Groundhog Day resolution stuff when I can write that final chapter. Right now, I can't write it. Every year, I hope that I can write it. This so like because this is year twelve, I'm thinking like maybe at the end of this year I'll be able to close it off and say like I figured out the balance between my weird, quirky <laughs> desire to be irresponsible, but that's weighed down by the desire not to be incompetent. Um <laughs> and made it work somehow and I was I didn't sell out, I maintained my integrity about how I did things. I didn't lie. I didn't try to present some falseness to someone by saying I was more successful than I was. I was just me. And this was my story. And this is the collection of things that I have along the way. Help yourself to them. Um, good luck on your journey. That's all, of all and maybe all I really want to do. And the community, the, the chat room is kind of has that sort of vibe to it for me. For other people, it might be different. But for me, the idea of being able to share and experience other people's thoughts as they're trying to pursue and make these things, and at the same time, being supportive of how people do things differently, and at the same time, using that to strengthen my sense of what I'm doing is right, the way of myself, versus like, there's another way I'm supposed to be doing it. There's something swirling around in there. It's all tied up in this one big question that i have that i'm trying to form into the into a question that i can answer and so i guess you know groundhog day resolutions is, is my uh, umbrella term for what is it that i'm doing who am i you know what's what's you know what, how you is know this what, going to end up what i'm reminded of as you describe this is like how uh it's that that level of mastery that looks like play Right, like how like Yoda's like you know Yoda's the greatest Jedi of all because he is perfectly happy being a goofy old man, you know, <laughs> rather than having to like be like this austere yes. respect me, right? Yeah, yeah. And, and so like being playful with it and 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 having the confidence and the self assurance to be able to play with it, yeah. I think demonstrates a kind of mastery. But hmm. another thing that I got excited about is I was reading the blog post. <laughs> <laughs> That's an interesting idea you have. <laughs> uh, but, like, another thing that occurred to me is, like, we talk a lot on this show about um, artifacts of effort, right? Like, so mm -hmm. I've been drawing most of my books digitally for the last few years. And one of the downsides I noticed is that you don't get that feedback 
signal of a pile of pages forming. Like, Ooh. oh, I know where I am yeah, in yeah. the book now, right? <laughs> look how much I've accomplished, right? Mm. And like, and it's a it's a popular thing for cartoonists to do is like the ones who still work on paper is to post a picture of like, there it is, the book's done. There's this gigantic stack of Bristol board, wow. and like, and I look at it, and I'm like, oh, you know, it's like I know what that represents, right? Yeah. And it gets it gets a little bit harder to track when you work very virtually, right? Mm-hmm. But what this does is it does it, it creates the artifact of effort, but it creates the an artifact of effort in such a non focused it's not that deliberate like this is me reaching the end of my grueling tour. <laughs> this is you know, you amass a lot of stuff throughout any work day. And yeah. any of these things are learning experiences that are both good for you to reflect on, but might be useful to somebody else. And I should say you, you actually posted uh a public spreadsheet of your accrual bucket that people can go to. We'll link to it. Um, but yeah, so it's like this idea of like, it just, it reframes this idea of the artifact of effort as this very relaxed, look, you've got this, you're doing stuff all the time kind of way. And it's not just in a way of selling your sawdust. It's a way of, of reminding you that there's plenty of things that are accruing and those things have uh, potential use for the world. Hmm. That's a good way of putting it. I had to add, like, also a terrible memory. So it's another thing. <laughs> <laughs> Just going, like, I can't remember what I did today. I know I did stuff. And, like, I, but I can't pull it off and says, like, yeah, I did this. I'm awesome. Like, I can't, it's, I can't remember what I was doing two hours ago. And it's, if I'm not in that moment of writing the stuff down, you know, then it's lost. And that lost feeling over periods of days generates this feeling of depression. That, what have I been really accomplishing? Every year when I do my Groundhog Day resolutions, I have to do a review of the previous years to date from the beginning because I have forgotten what I did. And it's, it, they're getting really long. It's, I don't look <laughs> forward to it at all. Like I would prefer to do my taxes to this. Like you, because I don't have, but I don't have to do those anymore because I hired someone finally. <laughs> but so do the review. And to re-see the pattern, because the pattern is going to be different. Um, so I finally smartened up and started writing these summaries in the actual yearly um, summary pages. Like every year, there's this page that combines all of the um, posts. But last year, I started writing down, this is what I learned, and I had a summary version. So like, it would just jog the memory of what I was doing. Because um, I don't remember. I don't remember anything. Um, but the only all, what I remember is how I felt about something when I when I'm showing some kind of trigger for things like I'll see like oh yeah I remember making that thing huh I forgot I made that that thing's kind of cool you know or like I'll look at code that I wrote like three years ago and so I was like wow that person wrote that was much smarter than I was now and so I keep thinking I'm getting dumber and dumber but I look at this thing and says that was that person made some good good uh, decisions there and that's really really nice and I can't actually grasp that it was me that did it. It was like, it was, I feel a little bit embarrassed. Um, but, you know, things like, yeah, anyway, I just have a terrible memory. That's, and this no, is a that, way of, of doing that, of engaging with it. I, I'm, if there's anything I really worry about is like how bad my memory is. It probably keeps me from, from really moving more freely. Mm, no, a, a major reason that I still track everything in my ETP is because I, if you ask me what I did last Tuesday, I, I would be lost. I'd have, I have to go back and do that. And I, I always think of that line from uh, the Last Crusade where Indiana Jones is reprimanding his father for having to go back to Germany to get his yeah. notebook. He's like, "Don't you remember?" He's like, I, "I put it in the book so I wouldn't have to." You know? Yeah, I love that line. 
right, I think we're approaching final thought time, Rob. What do you think? Yeah, I think so. I, there's there's a couple of a couple of ideas. I think you know we've we've got this theme of of sort of motivation and whatnot too. But but I I don't. I'm wondering if there's a um, there's an ang- angle like a like final thought, Dave, is a kind of a newish thing that we 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 add to the show where it's almost like a um a thoughtful alternate angle on what we've been talking about and whatnot, or mm. like a one more digging, like a one extra layer deeper. And um and I'm I put myself in. in in the role of someone who finds this like, okay, I, you know, like, and cause I do, this is not hard role playing, but like, I like this accrual bucket idea, but let's say I'm not, I don't know exactly what signals to look for. Like, am I ready to start the accrual bucket? And like, t- to, to what extent, am, you know, <clears throat> cause going all in, maybe, maybe I've got a day job and I don't quite have the capacity or I've, how do I work this in with my other stuff? And when do I start is what I'm thinking. And, mm. and am I, you know, Maybe we, if there's there's motivation angles on that too, like, um, in, in, when I'm, when when is it a good feedback loop for me to to be excited? We'll, we'll give and we'll give we hold on hold yeah. on to that. Oh yeah, <laughs> hold on to that thought. We'll give you a minute and thirty seconds to think about it. So we do one more break before we get to final thought, and then we then we close the show. So we got to thank a couple more people who make this show possible, and those people have to be me and Rob. We make stuff, and we got to tell you about the stuff that we make. Yeah. So first, I want to tell you about uh, – I said I'm a cartoonist. I've mentioned many times uh, during this discussion about how I make comics, and I've got a comic coming out in June. Worked on it with my wife. It's called Science Comics Rockets Defying Gravity. What is it? It is a – it's part of the Science Comics series from First Second uh, Books. And it is a um, exploration of how rockets work, and it's the history of rockets from a bunch of different vantage points. Like we look at rockets used in entertainment, rockets used in military history, rockets used in space exploration, rockets used in the space race and the Cold War. And the narrators, the the logline is it's uh, Carl Sagan's Cosmos as told by grumpy animals because we tell all these stories from the vantage point of animals who were used in the pursuit of developing rocket technology. Uh, who were the first people to see the Earth from the moon's orbit? It was not Apollo 8, as you might be thinking. It was actually two Russian tortoises who narrate their part of the book. And how did we learn how ejector seat technology would work on humans? We tranquilized grizzly bears and sent them up there and launched them out of planes. And you learn all, uh, what, was, what was the earliest rocket-riding animal? It was actually a bunch of rats in Italy in the 1800s who were used as a publicity stunt to show the efficacy of uh, Claude Ruggieri's uh, combination rockets. So you can get it this June. It's already up for pre-order on Amazon. It's called Science Comics Rockets Defying Gravity. Rob, you make a game. I do. I'm so excited about rockets being that something that's announced in public and that, that you can pre-order, which I have pre-ordered. So excited about it. Can't wait to get that copy. And um, that's, yeah. It, but, the, the, okay, the game. The game I make is called uh, This Panda Needs You. And well, what 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 it's about? It's a it's a really s- simple, mellow puzzle game that uh, you're you, you know you you encounter a panda who's walking through a nice little forest of of bamboo, and hey, there's shapes, there's blocks and patterns. They start out really simple, get more complicated. Oh, that's fine. Every you know why why are you needed? Well, the problem is a cloud comes along. Nothing personal. It just blows everything over, and now the blocks are everywhere. You've got to set things right. Help this panda. Um, get the patterns all matched to get t- together, and the panda celebrates and, and appreciates your work as you go along, and uh, off you go to to yet another puzzle. And there's over fifty of them. It's available for um, your 
all sorts of platforms, your iPhone, iPad, Android phones and tablets, and also uh, Mac and Windows desktop. Uh, go to your regular app stores for Android and iOS, but then for your desktop, go to itch.io and search for This Panda, or you can also just head to this-panda.com to learn more. And if you are here mostly because you like the way we think about things and you think it's all well and good that we make stuff, but you really like the way we break down ideas, well, fair enough. You can go to leanintoart.com slash workshops where you can download self-contained workshop videos at a price of your choosing, even free. Yes, free. But if you get some value out of it, a great thing to do would be go back and like purchase it again, give us a little tip, or you know, buy it for a friend if you found if you got value out of it, maybe somebody else will too. Once again, that's leanintoart.com slash workshops. If you're watching the video on YouTube right now, a great thing you could do that costs you nothing but a few seconds of your time is giving the video a thumbs up that helps more people find the show. Or if you're listening to this in a podcatcher like iTunes or uh, Apple Podcasts, uh, giving the show a five star review helps more people find it as well. And we thank everybody who's been doing exactly those things. It means a lot to us. It really Yay, does. people. Thank you. Thank you so much. Uh, all right. Final thought time. No stinger yet for final thought, right? No, just, we need uh, one. We need to make one. Just some thoughtful silence. Um, so <laughs> what, do you, what do you think of this? Uh, uh, someone who's, who is really tempted to try to dig into like an accrual bucket kind of thing, but they're, they're curious if they're, if they're ready, both from a capacity level and, and maybe um, other habits. Like, like when, when can I... St- when can or should I do this accrual bucket thing? I don't think you know when you're ready until you start it. Um, I think you know when you're ready if you're, you're intrigued by the idea of it. So um, I would say if you are intrigued by the notion of it, set the bar really low and say, I'm just going to write down things I think are useful. And I'll just write a line on a notebook or whatever. I want the, It's important to just write down to see in a way that you can go back and find it again. If it's a physical thing, put it in a box. Uh, you know, like, uh, what the, uh, what's it? Uh, the, the, the woman who wrote, um, yeah, Twyla Tharp, I think it was. Oh, sure. Uh, yeah. She, she would put all of her creative stuff in a, in a box and she could, like, you know, dig through it. Uh, try it out for a few days. After that, you will know. Like, the, the answer is past the uncertainty. So, what are you going to lose if we're trying? You might lose, like, you might ruin a perfectly good piece of paper. Um, but more likely or not, you might find a few things that uh, that did, didn't work out. Just just walk around, think about the day. If you think this something is cool, write down what that cool thing is. Um, it may not be exactly what you think should be in the cruel bucket, but it is a good start. And when you're in the review period, you can see, like, hmm, you can rank them then. Just give give yourself a pile of stuff to review and see how do I feel about it? Do I want to keep going with this? Maybe I'll change this. That experimental approach, I think, would be a, a good good thing. A good way to practice some flexibility in assessing uh, what you do every day as well. How can I reframe what I'm doing as something that goes into a bucket? Um, mm-hmm. And I think I think human nature is such that um, if you are thinking about this as almost like a game to put things in the bucket. Um, I welcome people's ability to twist anything that they're doing to something that might go in the bucket because that teaches adaptability and, uh, and, uh, expands one's, uh, thinking horizons. Hmm. That's yeah. really cool. It sounds like, well, like, even if I'm not that confident, this, um, this approach 
uh, it's not like some far off lofty thing where I, I need to be at a point where, Hey, I've got like five different interests and skills and like two or three of them. I'm, I'm at a pretty darn skilled level. So now I'm finally ready versus like, well, I mean, where, wherever you're at, uh, yeah. it sounds like it, it's, um, there, there's potential benefit. Mm. Yeah. That's a good point. I didn't think about the, the point when, if you're ready in terms of skill, Mm-hmm. But uh, so maybe there's two stages of it. One of them is if you just want to learn things. Like for me, some of the things that I want to do is I want to learn how to draw. I want to learn how to compose music. Um, it would be nice if I could like learn how to diet and <laughs> keep weight off. These are things I do find daunting. Uh, mm. The I'm not sure how I could turn that into something that goes into a cruel bucket. And I think for maybe for that, maybe the challenge for me is better. Let me draw something every day. And that's really like the, the mechanical practice of things. But if there, for me, the accrual bucket is a way of dealing with how I've been stuck in making those larger things. I'm trying to find some sneaky way into creating those aggregate larger projects from smaller things that I'm already doing and uh, deriving some sense of satisfaction. Like, yeah, I made this thing. That's pretty cool. Why can't I put two of these in the same box and call that like a mega pack of something? So that might be neat. Let me put it out there. What do I have to lose? I'm I'm already fine with other people looking at what I do, and this may be a unique, a relatively unique quality that I have that that makes the accrual bucket approach doable. It's a shared one, um, but I think on the individual level, um, learning just to you know work through knowing the answer for me, knowing the answers on the other side of the uncertainty makes me more willing to go through the uncertainty. I don't know if it's going to be worth be worthwhile or not, but the only way for me to find the answer is to go through that uncertainty and see if I get through it. And if I don't, I'm not going to worry too much about it. I might try it again, or I could see if someone else has done it. But I think for me, because novelty and originality and authorship are part of the ego aspect of, of my happiness formula, my theoret- my happiness theory, I'm more willing to do it because of that. And it may be just a growth thing that everybody goes through. Like, what am I willing to? How much uncertainty can I stand? And I've been trying to increase that like, for a long time. Hmm. So a lot of different benefits, too. There, yeah, how much how, in getting practice with uh, the, the kinds of uncertainty you can face and then also um, the – and it's and having it be so it almost like you you described a private version of a bucket and a public version of a bu- of the bucket in a way where it's like mm-hmm. maybe you are accruing shareable you know things that that others would would use and are are helped by but then maybe there's others that are just your practices and your yeah. your, your your building yeah you're not you, there's some things that maybe you're not ready to share because the emotional toll would be would be something. You know, so one thing that I recently found out, like recently, is I, I'm non-binary or possibly transgender. And so that means, like, that opens up the whole conversation, like, well, it is transition for me. Part of it is separating what is my identity separate from that. And then the other part of it, okay, what do I do about it if I don't want to transition? And there's a whole lot of practice I don't want anybody to see <laughs> like mm-hmm. like this. Like, I learned how to, like, how do you put on, um, you know, well, what looks good on me? You know, like, I don't want to just like parade around and like look terrible. I've got, you know, those are, those are things that I have to grapple with. Um, so those are things that I work by myself. I mean, you're like, it's, you might think of it like in a competition. Uh, maybe if you're training for like, a, um, 
if you wanted to be put art on the internet, for example, if I wanted to start drawing things, uh, what am I willing to put out there? Um, I may want to wait a little bit first until I get to a point in which I'm ready to take it. And I also might be very selective about where I post it. Um, you know, so, um, you know, I think like podcasts like yours are a great resource for finding out where I think the supportive communities are and what you can share and you, you, cause like you exude this sort of joy of creating and sharing and making comics and stuff like that. It's really a big part of, of, um, well, as far as I know, like the lean into art, um, philosophy, we're making stuff, we're making comics. What could be better than that? Come and make comics with us. <laughs> uh, it doesn't matter what they are, you know, just make them because like the, there's something that's joyful and implicit in the making and the sharing. I think that's, yeah. that's, that's maybe my filter on it, but, but yeah, so it's not everyone. That's is what we're shooting for. So that's, that's, that's really good feedback to get. Uh, Dave, can I just say as, as dumb as it might sound, thank you for thinking about things the way you do, because it is, it has a very, very deep and lasting impact on the way I think about things. Awesome. And it's been immensely helpful in so many different pursuits that I've had. Um, it, it's it's and it's so great to actually get to talk to you face to face about it every once in a while. Yeah, yeah, I love like checking in with you guys and seeing what's what's going on. And uh, I, I have like... to echo Jersey's thoughts there too, Dave. It, it was uh, such a privilege. It's been such a privilege to to connect with you and like for me personally, hearing how you're um, like you 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 identify as all these different skills and capabilities that. Uh, like sometimes it feels weird as someone who, who doesn't necessarily have the, the one shingle they hang out into the world. Right. And, mm -hmm. uh, and it's just, yeah. And then how you think about and you, you explore the, you, you know, you mind your experience and reflect on it into such a, uh, a, um, an honest and creative and also analytical degree. Um, it's, yeah, I've, I've learned so much. Thank you. Like, I'm, it's, it's really wonderful to connect with. I think I regard you as, as peers, like they're doing on the same, same journey, adding that kind of positive, constructive, creating mentality that it's inclusive, not hierarchical, not patriarchal, not any of those things. I mean, the, there's a joy in what you guys do. And I'm so, so honored to be uh, invited to your show to, to be a part of that. Thank you. All right. Well, thank you. That is very kind to say. And I, I think this is where I say, uh, quote Rob's uh, line from the notes, boom, that's a podcast. We did a podcast. Boom. So <laughs> yeah. um, we'll be back next week. We record the show every Thursday at 10 p.m. Eastern time. We stream it live on YouTube and then we collect it as a podcast at patreon.com slash lean into art. Everybody do go check out davesay.com. We will link to all of the things we talked about in the show notes. Read the 2018 Groundhog Day resolutions blog post. It is There's a lot of stuff we didn't get to cover because uh, there's a lot of really great ideas in there. So um, thank you once again, Dave. And uh, thank you, Rob. Oh, well, and, thank you. Uh, this is, it's a lot of fun every week doing this. So. Yeah, thank you, guys. All right. So until next time, I have been Jersey Droz of LeanIntoArt.com and Jersey Droz on Instagram. And I've been Rob Stenzinger of LeanIntoArt.com and Rob Stenzinger on Instagram. And okay, bye. Bye. Show notes for this episode can be found at LeanIntoArt.com. You can also follow us on Twitter at the user LeanIntoArt. And you can reach us via email at leanintoart at gmail.com. And remember, leaners aren't wieners.
Thanks for listening.